Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. I am Tracy Hotchner, your dog's best friend and your kitty cat's best friend. Wishing a happy weekend to listeners on Draconic Public Broadcasting in the Hamptons, on Robin Hood Radio in Connecticut and the Berkshires, and to podcast listeners everywhere. Please listen to all my new live call-in pet radio shows on the Radio Pet Lady Network, co-hosted by top pet experts at RadioPetLady.com. Dog Talk is a production of Eight Paws LLC, which is solely responsible for its content, and is brought to you with the generous support of Platinum Performance Supplements, Waruva Pet Foods, Precious Cat Litter, Nordic Naturals Omega-3 Fish Oils, and the Animal Specialty Center, which is just north of New York City in Westchester County, and is a comprehensive veterinary facility offering board-certified specialists in oncology, cardiology, dermatology, neurology, surgery, internal medicine, and dentistry. The Animal Specialty Center helps people and their own vet diagnose and treat medical conditions. With access to innovative diagnostic tools and state-of-the-art equipment that gives families the option of using the latest ways to diagnose and treat their pets' medical challenges. I have a wonderful lineup of guests. I have a woman I cannot wait to meet on the air. We'll be meeting her together, Elizabeth Marshall Thomas, who I knew, and you have probably all heard of, The Hidden Life of Dogs. She's an iconic person in the Observe Your Dog world, but she's written a memoir of life observed called A Million Years with You about her time in Africa, and it it really is an eye-opener. I have Donna Rollins, who's going to check in with Skinny the Cat and the Magic of Kindness, which won honorable mention at the New England and Paris book festivals. And then an interesting commercial conversation with Mark Hirsch from Pepe Infinity in Westchester about what it does for your business in commercial marketing if you add pets to the story. I'm going to jump right in and say hi to Liz Thomas. Wow, what an amazing book and what an absolute treat to meet you. Oh, thank you. Well, there you are in New Hampshire, and here I am in Vermont, and there's everybody there in the Hamptons and the Berkshires, so we're all sort of very New Englandy. But clearly, your your deepest roots are in Africa, and it, that was something that, unless I forgot about that when I was riveted by the hidden life of dogs, was was not uh, well known by by those of us that were dog lovers, following you, following your dogs. Is it something that you've always kept right out in front in your work or is now when you're most connected with the African part of your background? Well, it's, 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 the African part has been important in everything I've done since I was there. But the dog part was, uh, I mean, I got involved with dogs before I ever went to Africa or any place else. I was just a little kid. And we had a Newfoundland dog as a nanny. And that was, that was my introduction to the dog world. A new which was dog, uh, and that was 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 the was the dog in Peter Pan, Elizabeth. Was that a Saint Bernard or was it a Newfie? I guess it was a Saint I, Bernard. I think it was a Saint Bernard. Yeah, ours was Nana. a Newfie. New, and Newfies are. I've had a wonderful author author on recently about Newfies, which she breeds, which is a, a very uphill battle. If you ever want another one, she's in Upper New York State and. And, oh, my God, each one is hand-raised. I think they, she gives them an IQ test when they're born or something. Oh. It's, a, it's, a great, it's a great dog, I guess, to be introduced to the, to the canines th- through because it is so connected to humans. I didn't know this, yes. but, I mean, yes. eye contact and emotionally. Um, do you think that that made you more sensitized to this hidden life of animals? Or even I of think other so. People. Yes, I do. Yes, I do that. And we had cats at the time when I was a little kid. We had two cats, 
and male cats used to come in through the cat door in the basement, down the basement stairs, and from the street into the basement. And they would, they wanted to mate with our cats. Uh, evidently, I didn't know anything about mating. I didn't know about reproduction. I knew right. the cats were there for some important reason. <laughs> <laughs> and making some hellacious noises. And I right? would go down and, and watch them. The dogs. We had a cocker spaniel who would play with me and my brother when we were kids. And a Newfoundland, the Newfoundland dog, who was there before I was born, and she would, she was, she looked after me as if I were her puppy. I mean, she looked after both yes. of us. A very, very sweet dog. So it was, it was, it was a very good introduction to the to the other species than human beings, which was a good thing. I mean, I, that was a very good thing for me. That was probably more important even than going to the Kalahari. <laughs> really. Yes, really, because so. because the human part of our childhoods for many of us is so complicated and confusing and people's behavior is so hard to read, especially when they're extravagant personalities, let's say, right? Yeah, that's true, but the dogs can read us, so that, yes. was, the, <laughs> yes. that was the big thing. Well, one of the things that I have to say when I read The Hidden Life of Dogs, and it was many years ago that was published, you'll know the date better than I, but I was not the dog-centric person with all these dog and cat books and radio shows. I was just your average, everyday, dog-loving person. And it was really an eye-opener, and I think the reason that you sold over a million copies that were on the New York Times bestseller list for so long is that you were the first person to ever pay attention to the domestic dog in our world, not in the streets of, you know, Africa or India, our, our dogs, but view them as having a, a very strong social life and a very strong instincts and drives that the rest of us had never thought about or been aware of. And that that was before all these many other books, some of which are fantastic, some of which are mediocre, some of which are just trying to catch on the on the tail of that kite. But I think it was the first time in my lifetime, and therefore probably at all, because dogs' importance in people's families has only grown, that somebody did what you did, which was to stand back and look at them without any of your own stuff in the way. When you did it, was it surprising to others? Well, I, I think it actually was. I mean, I think when most people who know dogs at all have a dog. I mean, it's a family and a dog, and the dog is part right. of the family. And the dog, of course, accepts the people as his family. And um, so that's what, kind of what you see about them. But but um, if left to themselves, they do like other dogs. <laughs> And they really <laughs> form relationships with other dogs, just as we do with other people. And it's, 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 it's perfectly natural. And, and I, I don't think this had been looked at before, uh, before I wrote that book. And, and uh, that didn't occur to me. It just occurred to me that he... That's right. Um, I wanted to study animals when I, when I was, ever since we had the dog Danny and the dog Playmate and the cats in the basement... I was very interested in animals, and I wanted to uh, involve myself with them, but I wound up majoring in English, which is not a bad thing to do. I was glad to do it, and I got credits for writing, <laughs> which was good. But I I had – and I'm glad I didn't major in, in biology because that would have been a, a – a sort of left turn the wrong way, I think, because I think that when you – when you come and when you look at animals to, to know who they are, not 
what they are, what they want, what they're doing, what they're actually doing, what why they're doing it. That's a great deal more important than I mean to me than yes. uh, than uh, sort of the scientific aspect of things. I mean, people in those days didn't think that animals had thoughts or feelings. So scientists That's right. didn't. That's and, right. I mean, that was to me amazing, amazing. Any pet owner knows better than that. And yes. and uh, but well, I mean, what 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 you really were, and I didn't understand it when I read The Hidden Life of Dogs. In fact, at one point I was like morally outraged. Geez, Elizabeth Marshall Thomas, you think that all the dogs should just not be spayed and neutered and run around copulating and just do what they want? I, part of me was like that, you know, prim and proper, wait a minute, our world needs to have fewer puppies and we can't have random copulation. But really what you were was the equivalent of Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall went yeah. without a degree, without only one person saying, you want to go look at the chimpanzees, have at it. And she yeah. simply observed. And that's exactly what you did. And I think you have gained that same measure of respect for being the un, uninformed by anything but your own intellectual curiosity and a certain empathy I'm, to watch and to cool. notice. And it's a very rare thing that you did. And she spent how many years golly, alone out in a different part of Africa, but in the African jungle, just observing. Years, writing it down. And that's what you did. And I don't think, although you had great acclaim and a lot of attention and were very successful because of it, I think only now, at least me looking from the perch of looking down at all these books and all these changing evolutionary ideas that we have about dogs as beings, as a species, that you really were an amazing forerunner in, and you did it so purely. You didn't do it from some academic perspective, or I'm going to do this as my thesis, or I'm going to get rich and famous, or maybe the New York Times will want me to, you know, I don't know, write a blog. (laughs) It was really, uh, you know, there's something going on here, and I just want to know what it is. That's, and that's I, cool. I think that was just an amazing contribution, Liz, just an amazing contribution because when most of us read it, we were still babes in the woods. I mean, it took us years to really begin to pay attention to dog body language and what their inner drives were. I mean, even now, many people are so, I don't know, blind to it, ignorant of it, lazy about it. I don't know what the right word is. Since we keep them as captives, I think we need to have a little more of the Elizabeth, Elizabeth Marshall Thomas view, which is, what is it that they need? What is it that they want? How do we fulfill those needs, given that we all live in this, you know, kind of a modern society and there's certain constraints to do with that? I guess really what is amazing to me about your new book, A Million Years With You, is that it, sh- it, it shows the development of this, young, this girl and then young woman and then very mature woman and this amazing experience you had with your dad in Africa in a very precarious situation where you didn't even know if you could fill up the water tank going to look for the Bushmen of the Kalahari. I'd love you to talk a little bit about that because I I didn't realize until I read your book that I've actually for years been personally mesmerized by Bushmen and by the Kalahari and a number of other books that I'd love to ask your opinion of. Talk a little bit. Tell people, because it's in the book, and I want them to buy it, and I want them to read it, I want them to nurture in their own children this kind of independent thought and independent passion for just knowledge and curiosity. It's what most 
impressed me about your parents. I, I know all parents have their downsides, but yours were very brave with you, weren't they? Or were they just mindless? I don't know. They were they were they were very brave, but we were in our teens, so we were sort of grown ups, you know. I mean, we could right, but, right. But um, uh, it, it, it's we we went there because my dad liked very wild country, and the the country he had in New Hampshire was only about two thousand acres. Hundred acres. And it, he felt acres. it was constraining. That, it was. That it was wasn't yeah. enough <laughs> <laughs> for him. So he. So he. So that's why they went to. We went to Africa. But but the the the, the take home from the Bushmen was was I think very important because it was the way that probably uh, they found they found uh, uh, archaeologists after we were there went to encampments and did archaeological work on the encampments and found that they had been continuously occupied for at least 35,000 years, probably much wow. longer. They didn't get to the bottom of the, of the dig. But, but, um, and, and during that time, the material culture changed very little. So that meant that, uh, and I think you can infer from that for two reasons, that the social culture was probably pretty much the same, as it was when we got there, which was in the 1950s, and 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 with excellent reason because there are only so many ways you can live by hunting and gathering. You can't um, have big cultural changes. You have to stick with what you've got. Once it's been established that X works or this system works, stick with it. And uh, we're not the only mammals who do that uh, or even vertebrates who do that others do too so when so, you say uh, stick with what works so people understand that the way that the bushmen lived and the way that they lived in harmony with nature and how they survived and subsisted on whatever nature could provide for them is that what you mean well that was all i had it wasn't right. necessarily harmony right. but it was it was i mean any more than a lion lives in harmony with nature because <laughs> well, i guess that. that's right 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 <laughs> That's true, but when you talked about the bush women and how they would find a root and how they would discover which root was the edible one and how to follow this little yeah. seedling stuff on the surface, I mean, it's quite a, it's quite remarkable to to see these these peoples who have been totally misunderstood. In fact, one of the books that you wrote, in addition to the many other books that you've written, was about seeing them for who they really were, much as you did. For dogs, wouldn't you yes. say? Yes, yes, I would. Yes, I would. Yes, it's, and this is this is true of any mammal that is my honor to or privilege to to watch. It's who they are, who they are, yes. not what they are, and yes. that that um, and who they are as individuals. Because there's a great. I mean, I wrote a book on deer. Deer are individuals just like we are, and they act differently. <laughs> <laughs> from, other, <laughs> from other deer. <laughs> That's right. In fact, you, the yes. book you wrote was called The Hidden Life of Hidden Deer, and I remember deer. when it came yeah. out, it was at the height of people realizing that deer were instrumental in the spread of Lyme disease, and also they were destroying everybody's costly and well-groomed oh, gardens, know, and know. everybody was mad as hell at them, and you yeah, were the only bad. one standing up for them and saying, hey, hang on, guys. Hang well, on yeah, just a minute. I mean, if you want to plant exotic plants in your yard, go, but if the deer are hungry and they come and eat them, well, that you know, there you have it. You should yeah. be living in the country then. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so many of us have like put up our deer fences in the hidden life of deer. 
I think would does give people a, a much different view of them as little families, as the true Bambies that they are. I mean, all the people who remember Bambi as a as a as a cartoon character, an animated figure. I mean, there there's a real life behind that. Uh, yes. Just to go back for a minute to the the Bushmen and the Kalahari. Yes. There's a couple of books that, for I'm not even sure why, except for I thought it was because the dog is so important in these books. There's books by Lawrence Vanderpost, I'm sure you grew up on them yourself, called A Story Like the Wind and Then a Far-Off Place. And the dog, the Rhodesian Ridgeback, in A Story Like the Wind, who saves the young boy's life, and it may have been partly based on Lawrence Vanderpost's own experience as being part of a cattle ranch in, in Africa, and then helps the little boy get into the woods to survive the, the melee, and then a far-off place where the Bushmen show them how to survive, have remained for me books that I will reread every decade. And oh. I wonder if those books, uh, people in America haven't really heard of Lawrence Vanderpost very much. He's awfully famous in Britain for being uh, Prince William's godson because he yes. took Prince Charles on a on a Kenyan safari once in a once and they be, they stayed pals, but it, it's a depiction I hope and think of Bushmen. Is it appropriate? Is it correct? Is it true? Well, the 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 people we knew lived as hunter gatherers, and they lived without. Well, they had no domestic animals, no domestic plants. Uh, right. They lived as peop as our ancestors lived for. 100,000 million, 100,000 years at least, 150,000 years, I think it was, and with with extreme cultural stability. But they didn't have dogs. They, the, dogs the dogs and the cattle and all that that Vanderpost is talking about would be a much later, much later. I but mean, the little boy bothered. was. But the little boy was a white little boy. He was a, yeah. a Dutch settler boy, and he had the dog. But the, he and so the dog was his companion, and then yeah. the bushmen helped them survive in the deep, deep woods well, or the jungle, the, I should say. The people who we knew would have helped an individual survive. Certainly, they would have helped. Are him. you they familiar with him. those books? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't know. The oh book. my God, I'm sending them to you as a present. Really, oh, you well. deserve a present <laughs> for every. No, I'm going to because I have your address because you're getting Nordic Naturals fish oil and whole life pet treats. You might as well get my two favorite books. Wow, I would have thought for sure you knew these books cold. They're going to be, I, I, afterwards, I'll ask you to come back and we'll talk about them because it's still legitimate for dog talk because a story like The Wind, this Rhodesian Ridgeback Kinsa is, wow, like uber dog. But the incredible thing is the Bushmen, their kindness, their generosity, their their surviving their survival skills whoa and a lot of what you wrote about these survival skills how to scratch something out of the earth how to know what was poisonous or what was edible how to find water when there's no water that kind of thing they had enormous knowledge they knew everything they knew everything they had encyclopedic knowledge every even the young kids did i mean not little bitty kids but right as they got older they they absorbed this fabulous body of knowledge. So that was very important. Okay, so you're so you're definitely going to, Amazon will be delivering these to your door. I can't oh, wait to hear it. For you to come back and tell everybody else what I you think of them. Because to, do that. I to, me, to, they're, do that. to me, they're the equivalent of Black Beauty. If you love horses, yeah. Black oh, Beauty I is like the Black quintessential book. I 
crying. Yes. Oh, I still. I mean, you say the word, say the word, say the word, Mary Legs, and I just like dissolve. So you're going to feel this. I bet you feel the same way about this book. Um, Later on, later on in your book, when you talk about observing many different um, creatures in Africa, because you go back after coming to America and living on the beautiful land of your father in New Hampshire, which he and you wisely gave. Most of it to the land trust. We I think, gave so it. That, yes, we did. That was very smart. So no horrible yes, people can put up it condominiums. Was. But yeah. you wrote about wolves, and I would love yes. if you could read. There's just a little passage, and you have this wonderful marriage to this man that you've loved since the day you set eyes on him, which is just so romantic. Um, and read this little bit, um, or set the scene first if you think you need to, and then it's a. a it's an excerpt from a letter that you had written home to Steve, your your beloved. But I think what's interesting about it is that people now have all kinds of ideas or confusion about the relationship between domestic dogs and wolves, and and there's constantly that pendulum that swings, right? Yes. And the controversy. And after you read this, I'd love to know what your thoughts are about that, because nobody has observed dogs anything like as closely as you have, and also had, as you say, the privilege of studying their cousins, I guess we could call the wolves. So um, you're, you're, you talk a little bit about the Kalahari, and you're out um, watching various animals in the jungle, and, um, and finding wolves was difficult. Well, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I did not know that I was going to be asked to read. Oh, this. I beg your pardon. I asked you at the absolute last minute, do you by any chance always have a no, copy of your have, book? No, I don't have I'm in my office, and it's, it's in my house, which is quite far away. Oh, I'm a terrible you person. All right. Uh, yes, I'm going to read it, even though you your voice it, yeah. would be better than mine. I'm going to read it because I, I really love it. And then you tell us more about it after I've read it. Yes. N- now and then the wolves would visit my cave, but only when I was sleeping. How did they know? That's hard to say because their den, where they spent most of their time when not hunting, was about 200 feet away, and my cave was on the far side of my hill. But they never came to see me when I was awake. Here's another letter to Steve. The wolves are lovelier than ever. Yesterday I was going up to my lookout post when a wolf coming along the stream saw me. I stopped dead, but the wolf kept looking. She then proceeded to the den, taking the course of least visibility. When she got to her hill, her pups rushed at her. She regurgitated for them, then rested about an hour, then started back along her trail, sniffing very carefully and marking here and there. She squats and lifts one leg a little to do this, like female dogs do when they're in heat, and it means they're marking, not just peeing. I expected her to reappear on her old trail, but she did not, nor did she appear on any hillside. I figured I had lost her, and as I was tired, I went back to my camp, forgetting to bring my head net with me. The head net was for mosquitoes, which were frightful. What she had done was to creep up under the hillside and wait for me to leave, whereupon she investigated the place where I had been and ripped up my head net. I found it later full of holes and white fur, but the wolves didn't seem to mind me. I thought that after this they'd move the pups to another den, but they didn't. Still there today, white and beautiful as ever. Talk a little bit about what you learned about wolves and obviously your patience I mean, when I hear you waited an hour, I'm like, really a whole hour? But I know, of course, you waited days at a time since you were a girl to watch Bushmen and animals. What, what did you, knowing dogs as deeply as you do, what, was, what is your feeling? I'm sure you've heard and read about this whole controversy about the, the dissimilarities or similarities between wolves and, and dogs. What, did you, what have you concluded, if anything? Well, I, I, think, I think that wolves and dogs are... I mean, they're, they can interbreed. They're very similar. They're they're 
not really different species. Um, and and I think that wolves, the, the wolves on Baffin Island had a, a work to do. I mean, they had a, they were a very tightly knit group. There were five adult wolves: the parents, mother and father, and three of the litter of the year before, and then the litter of the present year, which was seven in number, seven pups. And all of the adults and the the juveniles, they were all working as hard as they could to feed the the seven pups. And I think that's what, in a way, it's like like our ancestors who were hunter-gatherers. This is what we did. When back then, when we had to raise, <laughs> when we had to feed <laughs> a group, uh, we we the the able-bodied adults would would go and hunt and gather, and they would bring back food for the infants and the and the old people. The wolves didn't have old people, but right. But uh, I mean, they just didn't. They, wolves don't do that. But people, <laughs> people when you're old, that. you go off and die pro- privately. Yeah. And- <laughs> Don't bother other people with nursing homes. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's you and me at about five minutes. So that's, we, that's, we, that's, we, that's, yeah, we're glad we're not like wolves that way. No, we're not. But the, but the, 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 the purpose of this is the same: it's survival of your of your unit. The, the, and the 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 reason people uh, take care of older people or did, did not now, but because of right. their knowledge. Because of their knowledge. If, if if right. you were sixty years old and you were ten when there was a fifty year old fifty when the fifty year drought came, you would know where your people That's had right. gone to. Yeah, okay, that sort of yeah. stuff. And elephants yeah. do that. Elephants have that, and people have, people had that. We don't now because there's no need for it, and things change so quickly. But but um, but there's um, cultures like the Japanese culture. I I think it's still true, where there's a great deal of reverence for the aged. Yes. Well, with good reason, with good reason, and with good reason, they kept it. I don't know if we did, but but we, I mean, I'd say we didn't. But I, I there was there was good reason at one time, and the Japanese have 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 held on to it probably longer. Um, the, the 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 thing I'm thinking about with the wolves is that they 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 were tightly knit as a group. The the five adults were cooperating fully, and they didn't. You know, if dogs meet each other, they decide. If two dogs who don't know each other meet, they decide which is dog one and which is dog two in a rather short time. The wolves knew exactly who was wolf one and wolf two, and so forth and so on. And they had no displays or anything about it. They just went on yes. about their business because the 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 hunting, the getting the food that they needed, took a very long time, a tremendous amount of work. And they were responsible for the lives of these seven pups, and they all knew it. And that it was a very different situation than you would find with a, a dog pack or a wolf pack that was trying to sort itself out as to who was who was who and who was one and who was two and so forth, and which they do. But um, yes, th- these guys already knew, and they they their cooperation was so amazing to me. It was like the Bushmen. It was like the Bushmen. In terms of survival and doing, yeah, do what you need to do to survive in in a certain amount of peacefulness with those around you. Peacefulness, exactly, exactly, and they did that, and the people did that too. We, our ancestors, evidently did that, which is why we're here. 
Yeah, so otherwise we would have wiped ourselves out. Yeah, we'd right. be better off if we were. <laughs> right. Yeah. Definitely. So so you so in watching the wolves, having already watched had you already been watching dogs at that point or did you watch dogs later? I'm just trying to think chronologically in your own life as a as an amateur anthropologist, I, I don't mean that in any kind of a no, no, disparaging I, I way. Understand. But you know, you I'm don't have that doctorate. But I'm not an anthropologist. But if if you write about people of other cultures, people think you're an anthropologist. That's right, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Well, you're Margaret Mead. I mean, you're a combination between Margaret Mead and Jane Goodall. You observe without interfering and without promoting your own ideas. You just let the ideas reveal just wait themselves. See what happens. Exactly. Yes. You can't possibly think up enough stuff. That's on right. your own, they do that, that whoever you're watching does that for you, and then you just have to look, look, look. Well, the beauty of the book is whether it's deer or caribou or bushmen or wolves and certainly dogs, you have an amazing ability to really pay attention and draw some conclusions that are objective and neutral and yet really empathic or compassionate it's it's a wonderful book, Elizabeth, and, and very oh, very open you. about yourself as well, which I can't imagine was very easy, having spent a lifetime observing other creatures and species, and therefore you don't have to be in the picture. You sort of turn the lens on yourself as well, and I thought that was very courageous and, and very and a gift to us as well to get to know you better because oh, you. The, the eyes and the brain behind your observations were something that it was very touching to learn more about. So I just thank really you. want to thank you for that. It's it's a wonderful book. It's You've obviously spent a lifetime doing work. The other reason that I think people have to read A Million Years with You is, I don't know, I almost laughed out loud when you were going to college and you were just at Smith and then, oh, my gosh, they don't have the kind of courses I want. Okay, I'll just go to Radcliffe. And then you just went to Radcliffe. <laughs> it's like, Really? People spend, like, their entire lives from the time their children are three to hope to God their kid gets into American University. And here was Elizabeth Marshall Thomas. Oh, thank you, Smith. I, I'm, I'm going to just be on my way now because there's a course I like better over at Radcliffe. Okay? And it's just like, wow, there was such another world or you lived in a very charmed circle of people. Your, your brother, I think, was at Harvard, which obviously had nothing to do with the fact that you could just pop over there. But it's great. I mean, there's just the whole arc of your life is is quite extraordinary, and and it, and it, just everything you've you've done for yourself, you've given to us at the same time. So thank you so much for that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's very been a pleasure, you. and you just keep an eye on your your mailbox because a story I like the will. one in the far off place are coming. These will be the the black beauties of your older years. Okay. Thank you. And I. Maybe I'll bring them to New Hampshire personally. Who knows? Oh, please, I may just, do, do. I may just, I, I want to see what's left of the 2,000 acres. I may just have to make it a personal voyage. I'll that report back to everybody. I would that. love it. Really, you're, Thank you're you. a, such an important person in this world. It would be just a treat to, to see you in the flesh. Thank you for spending time Thank with all of us on Dog Talk and have Thank a wonderful you. rest of a weekend. Oh, bye bye. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Bye. We'll be right back after this word with Donna Rollins and Skinny the Cat and the magic of kindness. We'll be right back. Support for Dog Talk comes from Waruva, a family-owned company that makes their foods in a human food facility because they believe pets deserve to eat as well as their people do. 
all the flavors of Waruva, Cats in the Kitchen, and their more economical BFF, Best Feline Friend brands, are made to appeal to finicky little dogs and choosy cats, especially those you're trying to transition away from dry foods. And the show is also supported by Platinum Performance Canine Wellness Formula, a comprehensive nutritional supplement for dogs that provides a special blend of more than 55 nutrients to improve a dog's overall health at a cellular level. And there are Platinum Performance Supplements for people, cats, and horses, too. I am back with Donna Rollins. Donna, welcome to Dog Talking Kitties 2. What fun to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. It's quite a, a privilege and a pleasure. Thank you. It will. I hope it will be both. It certainly, it certainly intends to be. Now, I don't know <laughs> if you happen to notice the little mention of one of the underwriters of this show, Waruva, and the comment, which it didn't occur to me until just this second, that it happens to precede your interview. But early in the book, which is delightful, and congratulations on your honorable mentions at the New England Book Festival at the Paris Book Festival. Who knew there was a Paris Book Festival? Wouldn't right. every author <laughs> like to go, even if nobody mentions them at all? So congratulations exactly. for that. You. But you do mention early in the book, and I just want to say to everybody, you know that when I when I have an author on, I've already read the book, and I think it's something you're going to want to know about and want to share in. But you do talk about one of the reasons that you got a cat or thought a cat might be good or that you think people think that a cat's an easy companion is because you can leave them for the weekend with a bowl of water and a litter box and some dry food. So I hope you don't <laughs> still feed your do- your cats dry food. No, and if I don't. you do, oh, thank God, I don't have to use up all of your valuable author interview with educating you about kitty crack, which is what I call dry food because... Cats are obligate carnivores. God, I I was up all night thinking, oh, dare I bring this up? And then the ad came on. I thought, I've got to bring it up. You've Thank God your, up, yes. your fabulous cats get to eat meat as they should. What a cool book. What fabulous photos. They're very unusual. I, You know, I didn't pay attention to see if you took them or someone else. It seems like it would be you. Well, myself and my husband um, both took uh, the pictures just over the course of time as the story uh, developed in front of us. And we just enjoyed taking pictures of the cats. And my husband had a great idea to get down on their level. And that's what yes. I, I think that was the charming part of, uh, of so many of the photos. Uh-huh. That is what's charming. They're on their level, their eye level. They're up close, almost the way a cat would see another cat, which is very much what the book is about. When people, what is your elevator speech, so to speak, about the book? When people say, oh, you wrote about a, a skinny cat? Is your cat sick? Or what do you mean skinny cat? And what do you mean? What is your book about? What do you say? Is it about cats and their eventual willingness to accept us and other cats? Or is it about love growing slowly? What, what, do you, what, do you, what would you say in, in a capsule form, in a fortune cookie? In a fortune cookie. Well, I would say that the book is about the power of persistent kindness, especially directed at one particular entity, be it a yes. person, another animal. But the, the uh, over time, uh, kindness wears people down in a really beautiful <laughs> way. It's kind of like water on rock. I love it. I love it. And that's true. And you call it And the Magic of Kindness in the title. Um, When you first got together with your husband, he had a cat and then you got one, or I forget, you each had one and came together? The latter, yes. We each had a cat and we came together. Uh huh. And they did pretty well in the beginning, right? Well, Baba didn't like my cat. Uh, His cat didn't like my cat so much, but they... They worked it out eventually, but they were never buddy buddies. 
But you had lots of visiting cats, and, and Skinny the Cat talks about those, the outside the window, the inside the window. Uh, how did that happen? Do you think you were just a magnet for kitties yourself? Well, I think that has something to do with it, but um, the, the cats, um, Skinny and his brother Romeo, lived a few doors down. I didn't know it at the time, um, and they had kind of a tragic story happen. Their, their, uh, the person who had adopted them had passed away and willed the house to uh, some uh, someone else. And so the, the new person inherited not just the house but also the cats. But she happened to have a couple of dogs, and they just... You know, the cats oh, just right. didn't want to hang out so much there as they like to, to come down to the cat house. Or as, as Jan, the neighbor who has, was the original owner of the cats, said, uh, we're kind of the cat YMCA. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that there was a little bit of attraction. But, but at first, you know, we didn't really want Skinny around that much because our cat, the indoor cat, she just hated him. I mean, she hated everybody. I mean, if you weren't a right. human being, right. she didn't like you. You know, <laughs> it's just that simple. She had been raised from a little teeny tiny by your husband, right? And she used to, Correct. was she the, the crawled around his neck and yes. just was totally bonded with him. And he hadn't even wanted a cat, but this little teeny tiny handful of kitten just fell madly in love with him. Yes, he always he used this as a guideline. You know, it, anything that can make me laugh that much and make me feel that much joy, then I'm oh, keeping it. <laughs> that's really nice. And, of course, given half a chance, cats will do that. Both uh-huh. things. I mean, uh-huh. the more attention you pay to them, the more you get back. I think that's another little kind of message because obviously you both paid a lot of attention, both attentively and then with affection or food or what have you, to right. all these kitties. But I think that just being present for them, so many people kind of ignore their cats as if they are these inert kind of self-contained, quiet objects. And I think that that Skinny the Cat really reinforces the idea that the more you are present for them, the more they're present for you. Do you think that that has been very true in your lives as cat people? Absolutely. And each cat has such a different personality, as you know, and each one has to be treated. It's a relationship. Each one's individual. And so the more attention you can give to them, the the more you understand their personality, Therefore, you understand their needs and their quirks, and and I think they say to you as well. I think that they learn when they sense when you're sad. They sense when you're not feeling well, and so they you you have this beautiful relationship that ensues when you give them your attention, like you were saying. And I just think it's one of the things that we can get away with as too busy in the modern world and too self-absorbed and too caught up in the angst of another 20 emails that we have yet to answer. And I think that, you know, paying attention to those kitties, even differently than with dogs, because it's such a quiet relationship. It doesn't require a lot of activity. You play with your Necco flies. You can do some fun stuff with catnip. But basically, it's very, very, I think it's why people who own cats are so deeply, deeply passionate about their cats, that when they let that happen, it's a real love affair. And, of course, it lasts a really long time, which is pretty great. I don't know if you got my completely belated message that I'd love you to read one chapter. Do you happen to have a copy of your book nearby? Oh, I do. I love an author who always has her book in her hip pocket. I say you never know when somebody will want to see it or have you read from it, right? Right, and I didn't get your message, but however. Well, here it is. What I would love you to read is Chapter 8, Reconciliation, because I think that it's a one-page chapter, 
and it just, it kind of, I don't know, encapsulates the, the style of the book, which is very haikuish in a sense. You know, the photos are really an important part of it, and it's just a quiet little story that sneaks up on you. That's how I see it. Oh, thank you so much, and I'm, I'm very flattered. I, um, I am a voiceover actor by by trade and no kidding i didn't know that yeah and and so i'm just getting ready to to start the audiobook so this will be a little practice oh (laughs) excellent yes well if that's what you do professionally you probably don't need much practice but give it a try chapter eight we can do a retake if you aren't happy all right thank you reconciliation word got around fast skinny along with his brother romeo showed up every day at the door Skinny had apparently informed Romeo of Bava's softening and seemed to be scheming to get all three of them together. Considering their prior relationship disputes and Bava's curtain biting, I thought this was an extremely bold endeavor for Skinny to pursue. But I had to consider the source of his history of persistence. Still, I was reluctant to let her get near the front door for fear of a claw-to-claw battle with Romeo. But I must confess, I was curious about what might happen with Skinny at the helm. Interestingly enough, as the days rolled by, we continued to observe Bava's acceptance of Skinny and, yes, even Romeo. In that astonishing moment of surrender, something transformational had happened to her, and apparently any remaining animosities were now dissolved. It seemed that the Ice Princess finally warmed up to a concept that historically had evaded her, love and tolerance for her fellow felines. She realized there was no DNA-infused requirement to chronically defend herself against gestures of kindness or to automatically refuse love when it showed up on her doorstep. A few days later, when I opened the front door, Skinny was predictably waiting with his brother Romeo on the welcome mat. Not having a strict eye on Bava in that particular instant, I was unaware of her close proximity to the escape hatch. I left. I felt the ankle breeze as she bolted into the door, but just as the wind during a storm sometimes abruptly ceases to blow, there was a sudden silence. I looked down and witnessed one of the most touching moments of my life. Three little cat noses were sniffing each other, and there were even a few cheek rubs. Yes, after nearly a decade of Baba despising all other felines, she finally had two friends. And that's really just in a in a nutshell the the loveliness of the book, you know, just her patience, yeah. your patience, and I, I just love that that line, you know, she didn't have to defend herself and automatically refuse love when it showed up on her doorstep, and I and I know that that part of your thought about the book is that it can inspire people beyond their their cat relationships, you know, absolutely that there's that there's, that there's lessons in the way cats look at the world and those of us that are a little too defensive or a little bit too much chip on our shoulder that maybe Skinny the Cat and Bava and these other kitties have something to show us all. Donna, you've done an amazing job with this book, and you've are, now you're getting an honorable mention from Dog Talk and Kitties, too, so that's your third honorable mention. I oh, should make you. up little stickers people could put on their book. You have the New England Book Festival sticker. Yeah, our sticker. Well, congratulations <laughs> on a work you. well done. Really, really marvelous, and I wish you lots of more book festivals in fabulous places. Oh, thank that will you be so fun much, for you. Such a great pleasure, pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. So glad to have you here. Take care. Have a great rest of a weekend. You too. After this quick word, we're going to talk to Mark Hirsch and what happens when you put pets 
into a commercial marketing venture. Watch out. Things explode. We'll be right back. Support for Dog Talk comes from Precious Cat Litter, owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose litters are designed to appeal to kitties and protect their health. Cat Attract Litter has a blend of herbs which entice cats into the litter box and overcome out-of-litter box problems. Respiratory Relief Litter is low dust for pussycats with asthma, which makes it healthy for people and other pets in the family, too. Support for this show also comes from Nordic Naturals, whose Omega Pet products provide your dog or cat with the same premium quality omega-3 nutrition as their fish oils for people, because research shows that even the best diets are deficient in the essential fatty acids found in their oils. Nordic Naturals uses sustainably sourced wild fish from healthy stocks, with third-party testing to guarantee purity and freshness, surpassing the strict international standards for omega-3 fish oil quality. I am back. Welcome to the show, Mark Hirsch. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure, and I'm sure you were totally baffled when I got in touch with you just a few days ago and said, I think what you did, because you wanted to, because you love your dogs, and because you wanted to do something good for the homeless dogs of Westchester County, really fascinated me. You have Peppy Infinity in Westchester, and As it turns out, we both share, although you had her long before I did, this absolutely fantastic social media manager, Holly Alexander of Topspin Communications. And in passing, she had said to me, because I'm Miss Anti-Facebook, I'm like, ah, that's just for teenagers trying to show (laughs) pictures of each other kissing the boyfriend in the hall. She's like, not really. It really is a way to reach people. And she told me about having worked with you for quite some time and how you had wanted to do Tell the story of how this evolved. You wanted to do a dog adoption vet at your at your dealership, and and what that did for people's awareness in your community of your car dealership. Now you didn't do it to be Madison Avenue. You did it because it's really what you wanted to do. But it just fascinated me because more and more in advertising and marketing, one sees a dog or a cat when they really may have nothing to do with the product, but they know it's what makes people happy and maybe attracts them. Tell a little about what happened to you in, in doing this good deed and how it came to, to benefit you as well commercially. Okay. Well, the, the, the rescue event that we did really came after the fact. Um, what had happened was, you know, we have this successful dealership and we're, you know, trying to build our Facebook page. We'd like to have more fans. And now I'm just rewinding back to right. the end of last year in 2012. So, you know, at that point, we've had our Facebook page for around three or four years, and we only have, which is, which is still a, a sizable amount, but we only had about 800 fans. Uh, and like I said, we've been in business for a long time, and we have a and lot I want, of And also, let me just interrupt and say that from sure. what I understand, you're, you're apparently the number one Infinity dealer in the United States. This is obviously not a commercial for Infinity, guys, but it's just fascinating to see what happens when a super successful business is trying the new media and being the number one in the country and having 800 fans is like a lot of people would go, God, that's a lot. But for a business, you wanted a lot more than that just because that's where a lot of things happen in our world, right? On Facebook yes. or on the Internet. Okay, so yeah, go ahead. I mean, it, it, it is a fascinating story. I, I, yeah. I, I, just to correct you, not, not to uh, do a commercial, but we're number <laughs> one in the world now, which is we're really excited about it. Um, oh, we're in the one, whole bloody universe. Well, yes, you know, yeah, we were number that's one in the country pretty incredible. Now, and, yeah, oh, my this year, God, we get that name that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, That's pretty so, cool. So what's also interesting is it's not like you're a new business starting up and you think, okay, okay, I'll use Facebook to build my business. You're already as big as it gets, but you want to be in that space, in that online space, just because it's where a lot of things happen in our modern world. Well, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, not market, but trying to communicate on Facebook, and I'm not a Facebook expert either. So right. I'm trying to communicate to our customers, and even though they love the product and they may love dealing with us, it doesn't mean that, you know, on Facebook that they want to listen to or read, you know, hey, uh, we, we're going to do a, a, a G37 at 299 a month, <laughs> and, you know, every day. It just gets kind of boring, right? So, <laughs> So and I'm explaining this to my wife. I'll just give you the quick story on, on right. how it evolved. But I'm explaining this to my wife before I go to work one day, and she said, "Listen, now she knows Facebook better than I do." And she says, "If you if you really want to, you know, talk to people on Facebook, you really should talk about babies or pets." So I went to work, and I'm thinking yep. about this, and that's okay. where we came up with a pet contest. We were going to do a pet picture contest. This had nothing to do with the rescue event. I didn't, you know, I, I really wasn't on anything with pets at this point, but figured, all right, let's try that on Facebook. Maybe people will respond to that. And at but that you point, are dog lovers. You're big dog oh, lovers. Oh, there's no yourself. doubt. No doubt. Okay. Uh, yeah, we had three at once. Now, now we have one, but yeah, we love our dog. And we're, right, we're right. Big, big Crazy dog lovers. Crazy Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am. So is my wife. So anyway, Good. so. Now, now um, we we figured let's start this uh, pet picture contest, and at that point we had a little over 800 fans, and this is just going back to December. Um, right. We by the time we ended the pet picture contest, we had over 3,000 fans. Now keep in mind this is only like in a, a period of a little over a month, and it took right. us four years to get to 800. <laughs> now we're at 3,000 yeah. yeah. in a month, in a little yeah. over a month, which is crazy. Right. Um, right, it so it is. It, it, we were we were just amazed, and we figured out that our customer base, you know, as much as we love our dogs, they seem to love their dogs and, and cats. Right, right. So uh, we we started just working on that and and getting a lot more communication going on our Facebook, and uh, we decided to do this rescue event. And Holly helped us a little bit with you know with the idea, and then you know we just took it from there, and it ended up being seven rescues. Uh, that were involved, and we had an event at the dealership. We promoted it on Facebook. Uh, we had uh, approximately 150 people show up. Uh, we ended up, I'm told, with over eight uh, adoptions in four hours. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. It was. It was an amazing day. Everybody loved it that came in. The rescues couldn't thank us enough. I mean, they loved it. It, it just was a, a true success. And I, I, I mean, I felt so good about, you know, about the whole thing. I mean, it was just really just a, a great day. And then it goes a step further where the Westchester Mall, which I'm not a Westchesterite, but it's like the mall, goes yeah. to you and says, you know, we saw what you did with those rescues. How would you like to do something like that in the mall? So, I mean, yeah. there you have another, like, you did something for a kind of business reason, but then partly because you really love dogs a lot and you could have, you know, given away free donuts, right? And you would have gotten more than 150 people. But instead, you had people connect with the dogs, which is a thing that mattered to you and you knew mattered to them based on the numbers of people that would just be so thrilled to put a picture of their dog or cat on your Facebook page. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's, really it's, fascinating to see that happen. And then yeah. suddenly you become not just the number one infinity dealer, excuse me, in the world, but you become <laughs> that guy who invites seven rescues onto his property 
just because it seems like such a great idea. You know, and there's a lot of businesses that could do this, Mark, and involve the community in the way that the community really exists, which is that many rescues. I mean, out in the Hamptons, I hope the people with the Mercedes and the BMW and the Ford and the and the Jeep, uh, you know, dealerships think, well, you've got Southampton Shelter, which is the official shelter of the show. You've got Buy to We in West Hampton. You've got ARF, the Animal Rescue Fund of the Hamptons. Invite them all to a to a commercial uh, sort of location because you want to welcome them, and then maybe people will choose your car over another, but that's not really the reason you're doing it. But it does work out like that. I imagine you may have gotten even new customers from it or would, more Facebook people or something. I don't know. We're getting a lot of Facebook people. I mean, we have now, I mean, it's only about eight months later, and we have now over 15,000. So we went now from 15,000. <laughs> yeah, um, with a little and, jump and, of 3,000 in the middle. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it, it's not just that the uh, the fans on there, which is great, because a lot of people, uh, there's just a lot of activity. There's a lot of people talking on the Facebook back and forth. So there's a lot of communication, a lot of activity. So they're enjoying what they're seeing, and, and that includes a lot of dogs and dog talk. So, you know, yeah, I was going to say, are they only talking about wishing that there was a better winter floor mat, or are they talking about the really cute chihuahua mix that they saw at a local adoption event or something? Probably well, both. Definitely both, but I will tell you that the activity when you you put a cute dog picture on there and it's like you get a tremendous amount of likes all of a sudden, uh, where you know some other things might not get that amount of likes. So I could see that there's just a tremendous amount of dog lovers on our Facebook page. Now I don't know if that's just our customer base. Obviously, I not, don't think I, so. I think, <laughs> I think it's, it's in just society. people in general. Yeah, yeah, and on YouTube, you know, there'll be a, a crazy little cat video, and there'll be 20,000 likes, and there's not even any commercial intention behind it. And it really is fascinating how much people really get their bell rung by having that moment of looking at a cute dog dressed up like a reindeer or whatever it may be. And it's just interesting to me that I'm sure on Madison Avenue people are more than aware of this, and you even see fashion shoots and ads for, I don't know, various accessories where there's dogs next to the car and dogs next to the handbag and dogs next to the jacket. And it obviously works in some subliminal way, pushing happy buttons in people's brains and hearts. I guess that's really what you found, is that it's a way to reach people and give them a community that isn't even dog-centric, but they've come there because of that. And then they're happy to stay there. I think it's just a really interesting commentary on our society, don't you? Yes. Yeah. We've really it's it's like common ground. As soon as as soon as yeah. you start talking about dogs, it's like it, 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 you become friends. You know, all of a sudden now it's yep. you're off the cars, you're off the business. Now it's just hey, yep. you know, we're both we're both into the same thing. You know, speaking of uh, this, um, you know, fashion. You had mentioned fashion. Yes. Uh, we put a little twist in this event that we're having um, at the Westchester, and that that's going to be pretty cool because it's not only going to be with rescues this time, but we, we put a little twist on it, and we're actually going to make a fashion show out of it. Which so, people love. People are yeah. crazy for that. They yeah, love it. And there's yeah. all these designers of, of dog fashion and even cat fashion at the moment, yeah. believe it or not. Um, in fact, I have a contest of that's about to launch with Waruva where we're going to do a, a kitties on the catwalk. And 
I think we're going to all be pleasantly surprised to find out how many people have been dying for someone to ask them to take a picture of their cat wearing a pirate hat or, or you know, a, a, a ballerina outfit. Mark, I, I really appreciate you stepping outside of your business and your comfort zone and coming on the show and just, um, you know, just putting this little light bulb in people's head that while someone could do it just to make a buck or do something powerful commercially for their company, it's also a way to do what you did, which is to meld that with a really good uh, a do-good for, for pets. I mean, there could be a pet food drive. There could be all kinds of things that, that could be done like what you did. And I just think it's a great example of a very successful company just taking that other little step into the pet world and discovering that there's even more success than you than you knew you could have, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, Tracy, i, I got to tell you, I'm just loving it. I, I have such a great time with it. Um, and when we had the pet uh, rescue event in the dealership, everybody came we're just up running. To me. We're running. We're running out of time, Mark. I'm so okay. sorry. I wasn't watching the clock carefully. But we, I will keep everybody who's listening apprised of when there'll be another event at your at your dealership in Westchester. And keep up the good work. And thank you for joining us. Really appreciate uh, thank it. You, Tracy. Thank, thank you, Tracy. Thank you all much. for listening. Have a great rest of a weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Hug your kitties, kiss your pooches. Bye for now. <laughs>